Nuclear. Now is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Fletcher, uh, we have a little quiz for you, but I wonder if I should open. I was at a wedding with... Uh, I'm sort of curious because you're in between. I was at a wedding with mostly 30-somethings and um, they didn't know the origin of this word and they didn't, uh, this sort of phrase, and they also didn't know really what it was. And I'm just curious. And I, I haven't told Kathy either because I'm sure Kathy knows, but I'm not oh, sure. Oh, no, either. I hate it when you say things like that. <laughs> oh, this isn't very intellectual. I mentioned um, I CC'd someone, okay? Right. Okay, and then they didn't know what it was. Do you know what it was? Yeah, no, it's like a, it is, a, car- a carbon copy. It's it's um right. yeah. the carbon paper that would go under the paper and when you write yeah, on the okay. top paper. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah. then you know BCC means what BCC is, right? You is, both is it blind carbon copy? Now, yes. I, don't, yeah, I don't know. it's blind CC. What does that, well, does that have an analog in the real world or is that just an email thing? That's just an email. No, the blind the real part world, is email. No, 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 Ross. Oh, it isn't? Uh-uh. As a former temp, as a former okay. temp, <laughs> where do I know secretarial stuff? <laughs> That's how I paid my rent. Um, a BCC meant that you, you're you're copying someone, but they're not telling, you're not, they're not seeing it. You would tell right. like your boss, I'm doing a BCC. So they would, you would get a copy to his boss, but- you wouldn't. It wouldn't show up on the bottom of the. Oh, that's interesting. This is pre. And this is pre. And this is pre uh, computers. This was Selectric to IBM Selectrics. Wow, <laughs> that's what I used to type on. <laughs> yeah, I'm that old. Okay, what, that's interesting. <laughs> but what really fascinated uh, me was, I mean, Fletcher knew, but no one knew what a carbon copy was. They knew CC what it meant in terms of you know for email, but they didn't really understand carbon paper or any of that, which was really fascinating to me. Well, so I'm very much a forty yeah. something now, and there there really <laughs> is a big gap technologically between forty somethings and thirty somethings at this point. Yeah. There's that I mean I am from the time before the internet, and I remember mm-hmm. you know I re- I remember the whatever the the bulletin boards that my friend would go crazy on in sixth grade but i remember everything before that right yeah and and so um it, people who are 30 somethings at this point what uh, i mean would have been born 1985 and later let's say and so there isn't a lot of memory for them before uh, before that internet time and obviously it didn't look like it does now but but i mean like those bulletin yeah. boards that i was talking about that my friend loved in sixth grade that was around what 1990 probably and so if you were yeah. born in 1985 you don't really have much of a memory of before the internet Mm-mm. that's a for bulletin boards i forgot the whole concept yeah. of bulletin boards yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no totally yeah Oh, and remember the search, Alta Vista, all the search engines you had back right. then. Oh, yeah. I forgot remember? those days. Yeah. yeah. God, yeah. I feel ancient. I know. <laughs> I'm going to start doing the AOL dial-up sound now and really age myself. <laughs> Actually, Kathy just provided a great segue. She said ancient. Okay. So we have our, we're going to open with our, our weekly or bi-weekly uh, Fletcher quiz. And we Put did Fletcher last on week. the hot seat. Yes. And last week we talked about uh, words, a, a name from ancient Egyptian. In this case, 
it's sort of <laughs> one name was ancient Egyptian, the rest weren't. In this case, we're going to reverse it. One of these words does not come from the ancient Egyptian. And we're going to see if you can guess which one it is. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. We're going to start with uh, Lily, barge, as in boat. Barge. Okay. Lily as in flower, barge as in a boat. Oh, these, aren't, boat, these aren't people's names this time. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> you never heard of barge? <laughs> Barge Johnson. That sounds like a I don't yeah. know a nineteen seventies basketball player or something. <laughs> it sounds like it. Okay. Speaking of names, how about endive, which is not a very good name either. Endive the vegetable. Canopy. Pyramid, as in you know pyramid. Mm -hmm. Gum, as in chewing gum. And mummy, as in um, not your mom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So which one? Which one is not from the ancient Egyptian? Right. It feels to me like it would be pyramid or mummy because those ought to be the obvious ones from ancient Egyptian. Uh, we could be trying to trick you. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to choose either one though. Okay, right now I'm waffling between endive and canopy, and I think I'm going to go with canopy. Is canopy not from the ancient Egyptian? You, I mean, you guys gave me, what, six or seven choices? That's hard. <laughs> Actually, we, we were unfair. We should have given him four. <laughs> we should have. Okay, okay so what is it? let's cut it down now. Okay, let's cut it down. We're, we're either, so I guess it's not endive either. Okay, so let's throw those two out. Um, so we've got okay. lily, barge, pyramid, mummy. And gum. And gum. Okay, then we'll go with pyramid. Well, <laughs> not... <laughs> we could keep on cutting it down, but the uh, one actually you were right. You were beginning to get become correct at the very beginning because mummy is not Egyptian. OK, it's mummy. It so it was either pyramid it comes or mummy from right. the Arabic mumia embalmed body, which comes from a root uh, Persian root word uh, mum, which is wax. Interestingly enough, though, we were both interested in the fact that gum is very much seems to be an ancient Egyptian word. It was called kummy or kemi, and the Q changed to uh, a G. It's a voice G, hmm. which we thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. But that was, we initially were actually going to do it as which one of these is from the ancient Egyptian, and we thought you'd pick gum, so we had to change it. <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to be rotten. You know? <laughs> I, I want to put the two of you on the hot seat for the moment, and I don't know the answer to this. But I'm wondering if you do. Where does that phrase come from? Be put on the hot seat. Oh, that is interesting. I'm. I would. I don't know, but I'm thinking electric chair. Ooh. On the hot seat. That's what I would have thought. No. Well, we have a handy phrase finder, and I think I'm going to get us all off the hot seat and check the phrase finder right now. The one problem we're gonna we're actually gonna do that today. We're gonna do the uh, interesting etymologies of. Um, words of sayings that you may not know that you may not know the, the background origin to and one mm. thing we found and we're going to go into that is how many fake folk histories there are of all of these mm. things mm -hmm. we learned that when we talked about okay a while back yes yeah and i'm looking for put on okay. the, you found it no i'm finding i found that like some people say hot seat like me like electric chair some say it dates back to the 30s and the electric chair others say harper marks coins it 
Harper Marks? What? what, what? He found himself anything. on the bottom of the guest list. That doesn't in the hot seat position for the evening. That sounds like bull. I'm sorry, I don't buy that one. Yeah, I'm not seeing much on it. That's no interesting. One knows. Yeah, basically, I'm finding no one everyone's knows. confused. <laughs> <laughs> Which we're going to continue right now with more confusion. So, Kath, do you want to open with not to steal your thunder, but do you want to open with that one? <laughs> that was very clever, was. Yeah. So we were talking about Ross and I started getting interested in. Um, as he said, unexpected etymologies of common phrases. And the one that really grabbed me the most, at least, was stealing someone's thunder. Mm -hmm. You know the phrase, sure. right? Yeah. When you, you uh, when somebody else uh, has something going on and you swoop in and get all the attention. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Apparently, it's actually, I would have thought it had something to do with loci or Nordic gods or something. Yeah, it feels, it, fe I mean, it feels like um, a mythical god thing from from some place whether it's greece or, or norway or whatever yeah it actually comes from the 18th century this fascinated me from a playwright manager a manager um and in london on drury lane and he invented a machine that made the sound of thunder this is just uncanny so it's about 1700s about sometimes somewhere in the early 1700s and the play bombed that he wrote but the thunder machine stayed and his play was replaced by Macbeth. So uh, he got furious because he went to opening night of Macbeth and heard the sound of thunder. Oh, they stole my thunder the scene. And it was exactly it was his thunder machine. <laughs> so he got really pissed off. And apparently, literally, there are um, contemporary reports of him standing up and yelling, damn them. They didn't let my play run and they steal my thunder. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that felt. I just love I just love that little angry man. Or big angry man. That's the sort of thing that's so specific, you might be tempted to wonder how it took off, but it's also such a great story that, of course, it took off. Yeah, we found that with a number, of, and we're going to go through them. We found that with a number, though, where the story is so good that you think, you think, wait a minute, and then you go backwards, and if the story actually was... Uh, ex post facto and the uh, reality is far more dull and different so <laughs> but this one at least as far as we know is true yes mm -hmm. this great. one we believe we believe with a fair degree of confidence this is true i actually though that said I'm, i i agree with you about how did it catch on i mean okay you've got this guy john, john dennis was his name he's pissed off that someone stole his thunder machine for his play well it's i mean it's the sort of it's the sort of story that if you were at the performance, you, you'd you probably go home and tell people about it. I agree with Fletcher. Yeah. And it's going to mm. catch on from there. And it's fun. It's fun to say. It's yeah. fun to think about. I completely agree. I'm sorry. I found the exact quote that's in The Lives of the Poets of Great Britain in Ireland. And apparently what he said, that is my thunder by God. <laughs> the villains yes. will play my thunder, but not my plays. <laughs> Poor Poor John Dennis, who I never even heard <laughs> of. Which is also voice. interesting, too, because if that, I looked at that, too. If those are his real words, Steal My Thunder came, comes with us taking it and changing it to some degree, which also makes sense with, like, the original story. And now someone makes, th those are interesting words, but Steal My Thunder is a lot better. Right. So someone mm. improved improved upon the initial which is always typical too someone was at a cocktail party and said yeah so i heard this guy get up and yell that they stole his thunder yeah you're right actually yeah 
Speaking of which, we're going to go to a next one, which has definitely changed, and we're not going to probably be using it anymore. And it's to call a spade a spade. Mm. It's now seen as unacceptable because it, even though there's has nothing to do with uh, race, people are, um, you know, quite nervous about using it. And I, I would actually sort of agree. But it was really interesting on that one because that one comes goes all the way back to the ancient Greeks. And apparently Plutarch, um, an ancient Greek writer, had instead of the idea, you know, we all know what let's call a spade a spade means, right? Yeah, I mean, tell, tell it like it is. Yeah. And it actually apparently comes with, he was saying, uh, let's not call it a, uh, he had trough and fig in it, uh, calling a fig a fig and a trough a trough, which apparently had some. Okay, sort- Russ, can I interject? Can I ask you something? Was a fig then like the fig, like the the, the, the crude fig? Yes. A fig refers to the uh, male portion, uh, a male anatomy. Genitalia, right? And a trough is, is feminine. So it was sort of obscene. And then apparently mm. uh, a, a Christian, a late medieval Christian writer, Erasmus, took it and decided to change it a little bit and put it. <laughs> I had no idea. And he changed it to shovel and then to spade. And then it was commonly used, and um, it's now gradually disappearing, at least from English. Fascinating. So, so it, it was fairly obscene, well, rather very obscene to begin with, and then that got taken out of it, but the, but the, the meaning of the phrase stayed, uh, just sort of got puritanized. I mean, obviously not by a Puritan. We, but. we think. I mean, we're not. The, the one problem with all of these is... Uh, you know, we think all of this happened. We were talking about that earlier. We saw that with the, with already how thunder changed. Right. So the question is, is this like an expo? Again, is this a backwards uh, etymology? It doesn't seem to be, but we're not sure. And then we have other phrases where apparently he said, "Tain scafain, scafain It's a let's call a, uh, a trough, a trough, and it was shortened to that, and therefore the obscene actually left. But we don't know. Mm-hmm. My question is, though, now, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm, I'm not digressing, but I'm sort of tangential. In a weird way, having it the crude way, I think, has more punch, don't you think? Oh, sure. Because you're basically saying, oh, just don't, don't gussy it up. Come on, for God's sakes, just say it, like, say it totally like it is, no matter how crude, right? Yeah, the uh, Lucian, who was a very famous Greek writer, had that one. He said, let's call a fig a fig and a trough a trough and be done with it. And Lucian tended to be a little bit obscene in ancient Greek, so I think you're right. I think it's very strong that way. I like him. Well, you can read him. I should maybe turn a blind eye to this. <laughs> Wink. Okay, Fletcher, do you, you know the phrase "turn a blind eye." Right. You know what it means. When you 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 ignore that it's happening, like you know that it's happening, but you um you just sort of let it pass by. This is a long shot. You never. Do you have any idea where it came from? Specifically, no. I mean, I can Im- imagine obviously turning your blind eye toward the thing that's there so that you don't see it, but I don't know what the actual specific story would be. This was another one that got me just because it's very specific. I love the ones that are super specific. It was uh, Admiral Horatio Nelson had a blind eye. Oh, wow. Apparently he was uh, signaled to stop attacking a fleet of ships. He put the telescope to his, this is, he, he really was good for a moment, wasn't he? He apparently <laughs> put the telescope to his blind eye and said, I do not see a signal to stop attacking. <laughs> and he kept attacking. <laughs> you got to give him credit on that one, right? <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> By and large, I think Kathy is correct. And that one also got us. Do you know the origin? Do you have any idea of the origin of By and Large? Not at all. I was hoping that's where you were going to go when you said that. Yeah, this one shocked us. Now, I'm not at all nautical. I don't think Kathy is either. So maybe you are more nautical so oh, you can understand Yeah, it. right right here, living in the Great Plains all Kansas. my life. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, isn't, I think actually, um, isn't uh, one of the great American uh, naval heroes of World War II, I think, was from Kansas. Wasn't he? One of them. I don't know. Sure. Well, whatever. You could, you could feel it. But when you're on a lake, maybe. When you're on a lake, maybe. Do they right. have lakes in Kansas? Yeah. Like yeah, lots of them. Yeah. They're all man-made, but we have lots of them. <laughs> okay. By and large has to do is a sailing term, meaning alternately, alternately close-hauled and not close-hauled. Now, which means nothing I, to me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to go on because I. Got, it means basically large. Actually, means here's the definition: abaft the beam, or behind the boat's widest point. So we have a. <laughs> I'm lost. <laughs> I, I I looked at a picture of a, of a sailing boat and I, I saw like where the wind is and I sort of thought just forget it. Let's just basically stick with the idea that this is a nautical, another nautical and le- much less interesting nautical origin, the phrase <laughs> by and large. And you know, there's so many, just so many phrases and, and terms that come from the nautical world. We we just, they keep popping up. I know, but the sailors are running around sort of salting the language, aren't they? <laughs> it seems to me. I don't know. But this is now, okay, that was a good segue because this is another one that might be look, chew the fat, as in, you know, gabbing, chatting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're chewing the fat, right? Right. Okay, this is one that some say is nautical, believe it or not. Oh. And it was because um, the ship's, were carrying things that wouldn't spoil, and it was salted pork skin, which is mainly fat. Uh-huh. And they ate it when there was nothing else to eat. I guess it was sort of, is that like hardtack? No. But anyway, they were complaining when they were eating it. And they were just like chewing it and complaining, and the, that, that chatting became chewing the fat. But we did some research on this one, and I immediately did not like that uh, origin story. First of all, it. fat, if you're on a ship, fat's going to go rancid really quickly. And pork skin, I wouldn't think, would be that fatty. So that it bothered It was salted. Me. It was salted. So what? There's still not that much fat in pork skin. <laughs> salt. Salt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So I, I, I ate, um, they had some, sort of, it was a snack one time. They had pork ears at some fair. And they didn't seem very fatty to me. But I mean, that's. Neither here nor there. Another possible origin that Kathy and I had discussed was chew the cud, mm-hmm. as when a ruminant animal, you know, kind of chews like that. So that could be a possibility as well. That's where my mind went right away. And then I thought, oh, yeah, cows mm-hmm. don't chew fat, but maybe it has something to do with that anyway. Well, the, the weird thing with chew the cud, which makes me think it might be right, was that um, in Henry Fielding's Tom Jones, um, he does say, he uses chew the cud like we use chew the fat, mm. having left her a little while to chew the cud, mm-hmm. if I may use that expression, blah, blah, blah. I like the sailor one, though. I don't. <laughs> I, I just, I, that one I just don't feel. I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I do not see it. I don't know, chew the cud. Well, actually, inter- interestingly enough, cud, do you know where cud is sort of an interesting uh, word? Because cud is related to gum. Oh, but it's not really? related to the Egyptian. Oh. This kind of cud. <laughs> this cud. 
<laughs> this cud, def, you know, a synonym is gum, but the uh, it's related to kudu or kudu, which is an old English word for gum. But that comes from the Germanic, not from the ancient Egyptian. So whatever. Now we know we're experts on cuds and gums. Well, speaking of cud, I was shocked to discover when I looked up chewing the cud right now, it's also a verb. Did you know cud is a verb? To cud. What what do you do when you cud? You're chewing the cud. Oh. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's it's in the OED. They said that you it's it, huh. to chew is cud or figuratively to ruminate or meditate. So you could say, I was cutting today and it occurred to me, blah, blah, blah. Oh, wow. Which sounds awful, but yeah. you could. I, I, I wonder how, if, if cutting is ever used nowadays. Nowadays? I oh, it. I can't imagine that. I think we could all bring this back. Kat, does the OET have a modern, does it have a modern? They do. Daily Telegraph uh, from 1986. The cattle cut in silence. I have a, one from 2014. Wow. <laughs> she cuts the alfalfa. <laughs> I assume that's not a person. But <laughs> no. Okay, moving on. Caught red-handed. Oh. What would okay, make your, your theory? What would make your hands red besides blood? I don't ew. Uh I mean, I guess blood. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. Who's, who's the one who yes. who stabbed that guy? Oh, it's the one with the red hands. Well, kind of, but it wasn't. It's not. It's not killing of people. It's killing. It was uh, old English law. Um, if you butchered an animal that wasn't yours, if you're poaching, basically, uh, you, the only way you could be convicted is if you had the blood on your hands still. So you were okay. right. So yes, yeah, so caught, caught red-handed. It is blood. I wonder if I've always assumed that or not. I think I sort of did. Yeah. But I don't I know. I've got to tell you guys. See, now for me, I don't think I ever, I think I, 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 t- I take these these phrases as a unit, sort of as if, like almost like a compound noun or something. It's yeah. like it mm-hmm. by itself. So I don't think I really think about what they mean. I think I just use them as as this like block of this means guilty. Do you right. know what I mean? Right. So, so therefore, when we say I'm going to move on, it's raining cats and dogs. I don't think any of us see cats and dogs raining down. Or do you, Fletcher? When people <laughs> do, you have any idea? When, Fletcher's a little odd. <laughs> when people say that, I mean, I I do see it in my head pretty much every time. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the origin is? Uh, well, I, it's not one of the plagues of Egypt. I know that. Th- those, were, those weren't cats yes. and dogs. But no, I, I don't know why you would choose cats and dogs to rain down. Well, this is really interesting. This is an example of folk etymology. We looked up, it's raining cats and dogs. Neither of us knew the, the origins. And we kept seeing this. In Britain in the 1500s, houses had thatched roofs. Really just a bunch of straw piled up. When it was cold and gray, which is at least half the year in the UK, animals like cats and small dogs would huddle in the straw for the roofs for warmth. When it rained, the animals would slip off the straw and wash into the gutters. Thus, people started to say it's raining cats and dogs to refer to particularly heavy rain. Now, does that sound plausible at all to you? Don't you think it'd be more likely to be raining rats? Uh, that's what, <laughs> that was what we both thought, definitely. <laughs> rain, it's raining vermin today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But we just both were shocked because it's everywhere. Hmm. And mm, um, it is. We, we couldn't find, you know, uh, we actually tried to find a, a, a truer, a more plausible etymology. 
we didn't find too much. We had some idea that maybe Odin, the god of storms, uh, and sailors would associate him with rain, and dogs and wolves were attendants to him. Witches, maybe, cats in the wind. The most plausible one that we found was, perhaps it comes from a French word, uh, catadoupe, which is waterfall. And it came in, it's catadoupe, it's catadoupe, catadog. Maybe it's like it's like a waterfall outside. That's a possibility. <laughs> That's still a stretch. It's a stretch. I, I think yeah. so, too. I, I, it's, it's better than the thatched roof one. That's that's not mm-hmm. that's not it. Come Interesting on. though the thatched roof one. This is just such a great example of the internet at like you know working its its wonders. Apparently, um, it really caught on more in the in the nineteen late nineteen hundred nineteen ninety nine I think it was that there was an email message saying like life. Remember when people used to we were talking about the internet early <laughs> internet when everybody used to share those emails yeah email and chain type and there things was yeah. one about. Yeah, it was life in the 1500s, and they talked about the thatched roofs and the and the cats and dogs. So that mm-hmm. really kind of cemented it even more. Yeah. Which is why I think we keep finding it online. That's exactly right. Yeah, and people find it online, and they, they reference the other things that are online, and it all just snowballs. Mm-hmm. Even though, yeah, I don't, I don't buy it. I don't think that's right. I don't think so either. But well, I don't think we'll ever really know the meaning. Well, I was going to say, the one thing we did find, though, is the first— the rains, cats, and dogs specifically is a phrase. Um, it looks like it's from Jonathan Swift um, in 1738. And he says rains, cats, and dogs. So where did he get it from? <laughs> Go back to, right? You know, maybe he just, I mean, the other side of the coin is that there, some thought that maybe he did because he had an earlier uh, 1710 collection talking about with a bad rain and how everything was dead cats and turnip tops were tumbling down in the flood on the street. Drowned puppies, stinking sprats, etc. So maybe it came from him looking at like basically a uh, afterwash of a, of a storm. And then from there, raining cats and dogs came in. Yeah. We'll never it, really know. If, if it is, if it's such a big, I mean, I, that, that gets a little closer to me. If it's such a big storm that it's actually drowning mm-hmm. small, small cats or dogs, and you see them rushing through the streets with the water, then mm-hmm. that could that could be translated that to rains, be. cats, and dogs. That that takes out the hiding in the thatch part. Yeah, <laughs> the hiding in the thatch has a sort of Disney esque Snow White sort of thing yeah. to me. You it, know? But it it really fascinated me though because how quickly and how easily really ridiculous theories can become can can spread. I mean, mm-hmm. we saw that mm-hmm. raining cats and dogs theory of thatched roofs and a number of like theoretically good publications. We were oh shocked. yeah, no, it's in legit sources. I mean, yeah. really, very much so. I agree with you, Ross. And it and it's kind of and the temptation, I think, is to be lazy. You go, okay, you know, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure, <laughs> yeah, little fuzzy things hiding there. Okay, <laughs> you know? this is another one that's similar to that. I'm, I'm if you don't mind, Ross, I'm going to move on to the give a cold, sure. give a cold shoulder to something, right? So, you know, it's like you're unwelcoming. It's like you turn your cold shoulder, give a cold shoulder. Sure. This is another one we found all over the joint. They're saying that in medieval England, this is where it came from, that uh, when the host wanted a guest to leave, sort of like, you know, like in a bar when they used to like flip the lights off on and off and say it's closing time, they would like, okay, you're at someone's house. They want you to leave. You give your guest a cold piece of meat 
from the shoulder of mutton or beef or whatever when you wanted to go and say it's like thanks you know here you can eat this but please go now this one ross immediately said i don't buy it <laughs> this doesn't make any sense uh, it doesn't it makes no sense whatsoever it really seems to come from a much more obvious sort uh, idea of turning your your back on someone giving them a shoulder giving them your shoulder to show your coldness to the to the guest. Yeah. And it apparently appeared first time in print in 1816 in Sir Walter Scott and his novel The Antiquary. But I think that's much more plausible than this cold meat. Thing. It's a lot simpler too and while I don't always believe that Occam's razor is is right, that that that's a <laughs> that's a whole lot I mean that's just a whole lot more simple than a cold piece of mutton back in the in the middle ages it's like you, you turn your shoulder because you're being cold to somebody <laughs> why why is yeah. that hard yeah no it's <laughs> yeah. much simpler <laughs> right <laughs> also what bothered me with the um a little bit with the cold giving them money if you want them to leave why are you giving them more food which will keep i agree that's what i'm saying and this you know this all gets into whether you really want to be throwing away food to people you want to leave and <laughs> And whether they're exactly. whether they're really able to keep the food hot the entire time, <laughs> yeah. you know, in the twelve hundreds or whatever. Anyway, I think I think yeah, there's a, a pretty cold yeah. immediately. You're right. There's a lot wrong with that one. But again, it, goes, yeah. it really fascinates me because both the cats and dogs in this one are are kind of elaborate, and they're also like obviously stupid. Yet they just take off. I, I just don't. It, it's sort of like conspiracy theories writ large in linguistics. It's really interesting. How they, I think they're fun, so they keep going. Well, where cold shoulder comes in, it actually, from what I had seen, was that um, it was an it's like a, it's like a, a backward construction because after cold shoulder and Scott, and then and then it, it showed up in like Thackeray and Dickens, it became a thing, right? And mm -hmm. then people tried to be punny about the shoulder of mutton hmm. and cold. Ooh. So I think that's how it happened. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. That is a, so you're being that's like a, clever. You're being clever. You know what I, I mean? think you're right. That's a good one. Actually, but it's not hysterical, speaking, but it's like sort of funny. No, you know? that's a really clever way to do it. Speaking of which, because that gets into the next one that we did. Um, and this is really interesting because I thought it had a football meaning to it for some reason. Go the whole nine yards. Fletcher, the origin. Well, I probably would have thought football, too, just because we're talking yards. Nine yards doesn't seem to mean a lot in football, but um, I'm not a huge football fan either. So maybe – is it Canadian football, Ross? Do you do nine yards? <laughs> no, 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 no difference. No, they have uh, – it's, it's, they, they, uh, they do a lot more field goal kicking and stuff. That, that nine yard, ten yards is still there. Okay. This is a really interesting one. This is a – here's another story. This one we found everywhere. The, it doesn't have anything to do with football. And at first you go, wow, that's fascinating. It refers to the length of, this is what they say, the length of an ammunition belt on World War II fighters. When a pilot had exhausted his ammo, he said he had shot off the whole nine yards. Now, I don't like that at all. First of all, like, I mean, would they have nine yards? I don't know if they had nine yards in ammo or whatever. So we did some more research and here's what really got us. It used to apparently be basically the whole six yards. Oh. We found a 1921, the whole six yards of it. 1956, the whole six yards. 
And so what really interested us was basically there's a linguistic term called phrase inflation. <laughs> That's so, exactly what I was thinking in my head. I've never heard that term before. <laughs> in my life, but I was thinking to myself, well, that's like phrase inflation. Did this happen in the 70s or something? Yeah, why not add a couple more yards to it? But basically, we have no idea why it was six yards. We're guessing that people thought nine yards is better than six yards, but we have no idea of the origin. Do you know about when it, it became nine yards, when it moved up? Um, we found that nine yards was in a 1956 article in a magazine called Kentucky Happy Hunting Ground. But now the six yards was in 1912. And in 1921. Yeah. The 1921 one was on a baseball game, not a football game, incidentally. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, Jesse Scheidlauer, um, who's who's a well-known lexicographer, uh, editor-at-large of the OED, said that... Uh, it's clear this is not about yards of anything. It's a random mm -hmm. number. And he's right. I mean, mm -hmm. but why six and then nine? And now nine clearly has caught on because you never hear the whole six yards of anything. No, but I'm not even sure that he's right about that, though. I mean, maybe for all we know, maybe the six. Uh, I mean, you, we were talking about how phrases change. Maybe six did have a meaning, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, back in rural Kentucky. It was a rural southern. Apparently, it's a rural southern phrase. Hmm. It's a long time ago for us, and maybe it did mean something. I have no idea, mm -hmm. but maybe it did. Yeah, like you go, I'm just trying to get a whole six yards. Six yards doesn't sound as good as nine, though. I'm, I'm, I'm just in your mm -hmm. ear, does it? Yeah, no, the whole six yards. No, it doesn't. It it, it, it yeah. shuts it down. The whole nine yards. Nine yards. It's longer. <laughs> it is. I, I, I always had a football thing, and you have basically third down. You you only you still have a you only have nine yards to go. You know, you're basically just clinging to that. You want to, that's what I thought, but I was very wrong on that. Okay. Now this one, this one, actually, I, I think we should skip close, but no cigar. I'm just interested in, cause I always say it close, but no cigar, but it's kind of boring when you look at the, mm -hmm. the, 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 the etymology. It's just, you used to, uh, instead of you getting a teddy bear, you could get a cigar as your gift at a, a carnival game. And if you almost won, you didn't win, you'd say, ah, you were close, but you get no cigar. That was it. That's sort of like, eh, that's like, okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. This one though. Kitty corner we had here. This is an interesting That one. was first the one all, that interests me. Yeah. Because first of all, Fletcher, do you say kitty corner, caddy corner, catter corner? I say caddy, caddy corner, caddy, not kitty, caddy. C-A-T-T? Uh, I guess I don't actually know how it's spelled. I always thought it was spelled with D's, but um, however you want to spell it, I say caddy, caddy corner. I say more catter corner with an R. I say kitty corner. I'm a kitty corner person. It's really interesting. We we had no idea about this. This comes from the French. The kitty, caddy, cotter comes from the French word for four, quatre. Oh. And, um, oh. and it comes apparently from a... Um, either playing cards or dice with uh, with lucky fours or something coming up. No, it's like, I thought it was diagonals, right? Diagonals. I'm sorry, lucky diagonals. Yes, yeah, diagonals. You got, I'm sorry, you what look am I saying? That, you, you yeah. look at you, a, a four, the, on a card, it's four corners. On a dice, yeah. it's four. On a Making die, an X. it's four yeah. corners. I just realized just now why I thought, I have always thought it was spelled with Ds. I had a, uh, one of my best friends when I was in like kindergarten lived on a street called Caddy, C-A-D-D-Y. And I've always heard Caddy Corner and just locked into my head that it was Caddy, C-A-D-D-Y, just yeah. like the street he lived on. 
but it's but it's tea. Well, that's interesting. They, they're teas, right? That you're you're telling me. Yeah, cat okay. tea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it comes from catter, right, Ross? Yes. Well, it comes from catter in English, but from quatre in French. Yeah. But apparently, kitty corner is the most common phrase. Catty corner is next, and catter corner is a distant third. Hmm. So I came in third. I say catter corner with the R. I was depressed. Are there regional differences? Um, we looked. It there is somewhat, but it's not very strong. As usual, of course. I think it was the northeast is kitty corner, Kathy. Is that what we had? Yeah, I think the the east is more kitty. The west is more catty. Okay. Yeah. I've really never heard catter. Nor I. Yeah, I don't, that's what I said. I don't know. Huh. Kitty corner is the weird. east. Also the west coast. Actually, I should add the west coast. The west coast is also kitty corner. Catty corner is mostly the south and the lower Midwest, southern Midwest. Okay, that makes sense. And yeah, and that's, yeah, that's, oh, I thought the way, I see. Okay, because my husband is from California and he's a catty corner. He's catty corner, but he's like, I just saw, I'm looking at a map now and that's north, north California. So that would make sense. Mm. Okay. It's such an odd thing because I never knew it was like, I just thought everybody said kitty corner. I never even knew that there was any, uh, you know, variation. You're my sibling and I always said catter So I don't know how we both got the same upbringing. And Apparently we never talked together about this, <laughs> did <know>. we? Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that was, it's totally U.S. Apparently like Brits and, 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 and it's not, it's virtually unknown uh, it says in Fowler's dictionary in British English. So, so what do they if call you say this in England? What do they call that then? I mean, like, how do they diagonal? Ref- diagonal? Uh, yeah, that's I boring. I would assume no. Uh. Yeah, I don't like kitty corner though. Actually, I'm fine. Why not? I'm fine with catty corner. I don't know. Corner. I don't like I, how it sounds. Really? It sounds fake or silly. Are you talking about kitty specifically, or just this whole set of phrases? Well, kitty corner in particular. Ross is allergic yeah. to cats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the OED says it first appeared as catty corner in 1838. Yeah. Then it was catter cornered in 1843. So kitty corner was a late comer. I like it. I think it's got snap. Oh, we should though throw in. I'm sorry. The... um. We got an email from pre- the survey of uh, the most searched for pronunciations in America. Ooh. And we wanted to give you another little closing quiz. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. Let's go to Fletcher. Yeah, let's do it. Fletcher, okay. we're going to give you a closing quiz now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we got an, okay. We're, we're going to close this whole. We got an email from Preply, which is a online uh, language uh, learning company. And um, they did a survey of the most mispronounced or looked up words, pronunciation in um, states. Okay. And here is one of the 10 words that has been looked up the most in the past year. Okay. It's a name. It's number seven. Is it Fauci? Number seven. It's is a it, name. Is it Fauci? No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I happened to, Kathy was surprised because I immediately knew how to, how to, how to pronounce it because I have a uh, niece who's named this. So oh. I know it. Oh, but, okay. I doubt I wouldn't have known it if I didn't have this niece. Okay, it's A O I F E. That's it's Efa. Wow. So there's a musician. Uh, her name's I think her name's Efa O'Donovan, and she's made the rounds on public radio for for many years. And so that's why I know Efa. It's kind of nice. I kind of like it. I love it's a beautiful it. Beautiful name. Great name.
This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com or email me at powell at kmuw.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help us. They're how we get more people to find us. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And, of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.